Hey everyone, welcome to the Land of Hope podcast. Come with us this week as we plant our feet in the Land of Hope. Hi, Hope community. I'm so glad to be with you today. We are going to dive into the book of Acts. And if you missed our in-person gathering last week and you're wondering why we're going to be in the book of Acts this year and why we're doing this thing called the Search for the Spirit-Filled Life, you can go to discoverhope.org slash messages and check out what we were talking about last week and why we feel like the Lord is leading us to really see what the early church experienced when God's Spirit was poured out on them. With that, we're going to get into Acts 1. Now today we're going to be in Acts 1, 1 through 8. So if you have a Bible handy, go ahead and open it to Acts 1. Um, If you have it on your phone, go ahead and do that. I think something that I forget is that it's so important for my daughters to see me with my Bible open, right? We're on our phones. Our kids don't know what we're doing, but when they see us with their Bible open, with our Bibles open, they are seeing that we value the Word of God. So that's just an encouragement for you if you do have a paper Bible that's available. All right, so Acts 1. Um, Luke starts out uh, in verses 1 and 2 talking to a man named Theophilus. Okay, so I'm going to read those verses and then we'll we'll get into it. It says, the first account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. So, In this, Luke is explaining to this person, Theophilus, that he is trying to give a record of the way that Jesus lived. Now, Luke wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, and some people consider them kind of one book with two volumes, or this idea of calling it Luke-Acts. And so Luke, being a physician, is very particular in the way that he writes scripture and wants to make sure that this person he's writing to gets a very orderly account of everything as it happened. So um, he talks about how he's composing this account so that this person will know. I think what's interesting here is that when he talks about Jesus, he talks about how Jesus had himself through or by the Holy Spirit given orders to his disciples. So right off the bat, Luke is saying that Jesus himself is being led by the Holy Spirit and what he's doing. Isn't that interesting? You know, we know that Jesus is God um, and that he is both fully God and fully man. But what Luke is saying is that even Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? And then it says he gave orders through or by the Holy Spirit concerning his disciples. And so Luke talks about the commands of Jesus or the orders of Jesus. And so just like we read the Old Testament law and see that these were commands or teachings or orders, this is like the orders that Jesus is giving to his disciples before he ascends back up to heaven. These are the, this is the last things he said to them. Okay, so our ears can perk up and we can listen really strongly. In verse 3, it says, To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, off, appearing to them after, over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. That's verse 3. So what he's saying is that these people who he's about to give instructions to are people who know in their knower. Okay, who know that they know that they know 
that Jesus had been raised from the dead. These are the people who aren't doubting Jesus is real. They aren't doubting God's power. Um, and this is not just the 11 disciples who are left with Jesus, but a larger amount of people, including women, who Jesus appeared to alive, okay? So um, in Luke 24, he, he, when he tells this story in a, in a more summarized way, Luke says the 11 and those that were with them. So this is probably the same group of people that was waiting for the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, which we'll get to, about 120 people, men and women, who Jesus had appeared to. And the reason why this is important, because like, why is it important that Luke say, after many convincing proofs, that um, Jesus was truly alive is because to Luke and to the early disciples, it's very important to say, Jesus did not appear to people as a spirit. Jesus did not appear to people as a vision. His real physical body was resurrected from the dead. He eats in front of people. He shows them his scars. He walks with them. So Jesus, in the way that he is appearing to people, is telling them, this is really me. This is not a vision. This is not you being in a trance. My physical body has been resurrected, and um, this is the same body that I have now as I give these orders to you. Um, He says, gathering them together, okay, so having a large gathering of these people, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised which he said, you heard of from me. Okay, so again, notice that word, he commands them. Okay, so he is giving the strict orders not to leave Jerusalem and to wait for what the Father had promised. Now, waiting, when you are excited, when you are like seeing what God is doing and wanting to be a part of it, when everything first clicks, waiting is the hardest thing to do. As a human, waiting is the hardest thing to do. My dad used to say that some people have do something disease, which is uh, what he described as that as humans, sometimes we do something because we want to feel like we're accomplishing or we want to feel like we're getting something done or we're moving the needle. But what we're doing is not actually helping. It's just making us feel like we're doing something. That's do something disease as described to my, as by my dad. And so he's saying, don't have do something disease. You wait until you get what I promised you before you do what I've asked you to do. Um, The problem with do something disease is that it makes us feel like we're accomplishing something, but we're missing the real thing because we are muscling it in our own power. When we are doing something in our own power, we actually don't get anywhere. It's just striving that wears us out. And so Jesus is being very specific with his disciples. Don't you go do this on your own strength. Don't you strive to accomplish what I've asked you to do wait for the power I'm going to give you. And don't we all need to hear that right now? (laughs) Um, And he says, it's the promise that you heard from me. So at the end of Luke, um, he talks about the promise of the father. And the promise of the father is um, that you would be clothed with power from on high. In other gospels, he says, it's good that I'm going so the Holy Spirit can come. Okay, so this promise of the Father is the promised Holy Spirit, this empowering, this clothing with power. Um, Keep in mind that the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah 
said that he would bring with him the presence of the Holy Spirit to an extent and intensity never before experienced. So as these Jewish disciples are hearing that he's bringing the promise of the Father, they're putting it together in their heads. This is the summation of what was promised about the Messiah, that with him comes a new anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 5, Jesus says, For John, the Baptist, baptized in water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay. Now, interestingly, at the beginning of Luke, the beginning of the Gospels, when John the Baptist is baptizing, he echoes this same statement. The beginning, the onset of Jesus' ministry, John says... I baptize you with water for repentance, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And now here at the end of Jesus's ministry, he's saying, John baptized you with water, but I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So isn't that interesting that these statements are the bookends of Jesus's earthly ministry? That means they're very important. And that's why we're offering water baptism at our next in-person gathering, because It seems here that this baptism that's the repentance for forgiveness of sins is kind of the first step to then being Holy Spirit baptized and being clothed with power from on high. So if you have not been water baptized, I just encourage you to do so and say, this is my first step of saying yes to Jesus, to saying yes to this process. Now, there are places in Acts we'll get to where people get baptized with the Holy Spirit before they've been water baptized, before they've said yes to Jesus. So keep in mind that God can do whatever he wants, okay? But it is a beautiful step to take. So that's water baptism. Um, But this being clothed with power from on high that Jesus is talking about is being clothed for the purpose of the mission of the kingdom of God. So when he's talking about being clothed with power from on high, it's not so that the disciples can feel powerful. It's so that they can be equipped for the mission he is sending them on. And the Holy Spirit, the immersion in the Holy Spirit, always should be coupled with mission to the world, right? So this repentance, forgiveness, and then baptism of empowerment seems to be the general order of things. Like I said, that order is, is uh, totally subject to God and what he's doing, but this seems to be the way that it has been set up here as Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples. So when they had come together, verse 6, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? Okay, and what I love about this is Jesus is like died. He has been resurrected from the dead. He has appeared to everyone. He's done miracles, you know, anything you could need. And their question is about restoring the kingdom of Israel on earth. And their eyes are still on their own purposes, right? Even after all this time with Jesus, they are essentially asking, but what's in it for us? Like, at what point do we get what we want out of all this death, faith, sacrifice? Um, when will what we want to have happen, happen? Okay. Um, can we finally get around to that, please? (laughs) Right? Like, I love that the disciples are asking this question because 
we, when we come to God, we can have all of our like flowery language about how we're surrendered to him. But in the heart of our hearts, so often we're still like, and can we please get around to what I want to have happen? Right. That's like the secret inside all of our hearts is like, but could you please do what I would like you to do? God. And I absolutely love what Jesus answers. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs by which the father has fixed by his own authority. And times and epochs means like the long-term time and the seasonal time. Okay, the seasons that you're gonna go through and also the long-term vision is not for you to know. Don't waste your time trying to fit his timing into your paradigm. He's saying how you're understanding your life, your seasons and my long-term goals you, you can't understand how God thinks about these things. So just be faithful. Don't even waste your time on trying to figure out uh, when he's going to do what you want him to do. Okay. He says the father is in charge, that he has fixed these things. And again, Jesus is always pointing us back to the father. Remember when we talked about the rich young ruler and the rich young ruler says, Um, good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one's good, but God alone. And I love that even perfect Jesus is constantly saying like, God has fixed, not I have fixed, not, uh, not you'll know someday, but like literally like it is up to God. And Jesus is always pointing us back to the father. And uh, what I think he is saying, uh, which the father has fixed by his own authority, it's going to sound harsh. He's saying, God doesn't, nor will he ever answer to you. So if that's what you're looking for, if your end game is to be uh, a servant, to die to self, to all that, because eventually you want to get what you want, you are going to be disappointed. That we need to lay down the belief that God answers to us or will ever answer to us. When we say yes to him, we are putting our hands open before him and saying, not my will, but yours be done. And that's important to understand as we go into Holy Spirit baptism and and being immersed with the Holy Spirit, what does it mean to live a spirit-filled life? Because it is not for our own plans and purposes that we are filled with the spirit. It is for the mission of the kingdom of God. The bottom line is that we won't get what we want, but that we trust that what he wants is what's good for us. I'll say it again. No agenda, but God's agenda. No kingdom, but God's kingdom. And then he says, but, so he's saying, you're not going to get what you want. (laughs) You're not going to get to decide what happens, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, what I love about this, this power is the word dynamis. It's where we get the word dynamite, right? This word dynamis literally just means ability. So he's saying you will receive the ability to do what I've asked when the power comes on you. In in John 15, 5, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's that same word, apart from me, you're not able to do a thing. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You will receive that ability when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be empowered to be my witnesses, to testify for me to the world. 
And again, like not to ourselves. The point of being empowered is not that we would testify to ourselves or build our own kingdom, but that we would be witnesses in his hand to be used as he will on this earth. Um, Where you are and where you're going and where God is heading to all nations, right? So he's saying, you're going to be my witnesses where your feet are now, where I'm going to tell you to go and, uh, you know, long-term goal to every nation of the earth. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to testify on my behalf. And um, what I feel like the Lord was just encouraging me in in all of this is we're saying, oh my gosh, like the Holy Spirit's going to come. I'm going to be empowered to be a witness on behalf of God's kingdom is this. Is God is saying, my end in mind is not that I come as you please. That's God's. God speaking to us. My end in mind is not that I come as you please. My end is that you go as I please. And that is a radical reversal of what it means to be in God's kingdom because it is not power and it is not might. It is surrender. It is weakness. It is helplessness saying, Lord, I want to be your servant. Will you empower me to go as you please? Rather than my eyes be on God, would you come as I please? Um, What a radical change in the way we've come to see the Holy Spirit as a charismatic church. That he does not come to serve us, to serve our purposes, to serve our goals, but that he comes into us so that we can serve God's purposes and goals. Okay, that's like bottom line baseline. If we don't have that, we cannot expect um, an outpouring of the Spirit or His power to be with us because when we are searching for our own ends and our own goals, we never line up with God's kingdom, right? He has to be the leader, the leader of what we are doing and what we are seeing um, in our world. So again, God's end in mind is not that he comes as we please, but that we go as he pleases. So today, as we reflect on this, and as those of you who are in groups get ready to discuss this as your group, this is what I'd like us to reflect on. One is repentance. I've heard that the two words of the gospel are repent and believe. And you really can't move forward without that first word. To be humble before the Lord enough to say, God, I'm sorry. I need your forgiveness. I need your redemption. And I said it last week in person, but repentance means turning. So it doesn't just mean I'm sorry that I did that. It means I'm willing to turn from my way and turn to your way. That's step one, coming to Jesus, repenting of our sin, known and unknown, right? Because there are things we do wrong. We know they're wrong the second we do them. And there are things that we do that hurt the heart of God that we don't even see, we don't even know about. But just to come before him and say, Lord, I repent of my sin. Would you help me to turn to you and turn away from my ways? Part of that. A part, of, uh, a part of showing that can be water baptism. So again, if you want to be baptized, if you're saying like, I want to take that first step, 
like, let's get you water baptized on October 25th. Let's celebrate. Let's say, like, your life is the Lord's now, right? Um, and children are welcome to be baptized too. All we ask is that they're able in their own words to say why they want to be baptized. So if your kids want to be baptized, that's also open to them. So repentance is the first thing. The second thing is empowerment, that we would be asked asked to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. That's all the word baptism means. It just means immersion. Lord, would you immerse me in your Holy Spirit? Would you clothe me with your power for your purposes? Would you clothe me with your power for your purposes? It can be as simple as that. And then lastly, that we would be sent. Okay, so repentance, empowerment, and then to be sent. Lord, send me. And I think as we pray, Lord, send me, as we, we think about these things, repentance, empowerment, and then being sent, I think that we need to be waiting and watching for where he has and is sending us. That we would be on high alert saying, Lord, where are you sending me? Who are you sending me to? Where have you placed my feet now? Because that is where you want your kingdom to come as I am clothed with your power right? For his purposes. So Lord Jesus, I just ask right now, God, would you give us courage, courage to come to you and say that we are sorry, Lord, that we want to be changed, that we need your ways and not our ways. Lord, would you empower us, God, as we seek for the spirit-filled life, God, would you show us, God, how to be in line with you, how to say yes to you. And God, would you clothe us with your power for your purposes? And then God, finally, would we be willing to just be sent? Would our eyes be open to where and what and who you are calling us to? That we would be your witnesses, that we would testify for you um, to this world, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, thanks for tuning in today. I'm Paul, one of the producers of the Land of Hope podcast. If anything that you heard moved you or touched you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. So please head on over to discoverhope.org connect and connect with us. And if you'd like to support the podcast or even sponsor the podcast, just head on over to discoverhope.org giving. Thanks.